Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. How many of you understand that families can be crazy? Let me just see. You understand that? How many of you understand that your spouse's family is crazier than yours? How many of you be honest and say, actually, I think my family wins, I'm not sure. We saw that last week, didn't we, with uh, Jacob in our series on the journeys of Jacob. We saw Jacob's crazy family, his two wives, sister wives, literally, they were sisters, Rachel and Leah. We saw their 11 children and one daughter being born last week. In that story, we saw polygamy, we saw deceit, we we saw anger, we saw backstabbing, we saw jealousy. And the list goes on. And if anything, I hope that last week's message and even this week's message gives you some encouragement that God can use our crazy dysfunctional families. If that's the family that He brought His Son Jesus through, He can use your family and He can use mine. And there's hope for you and there's hope for me. Last week we saw some of the craziness with Jacob's immediate family, his wives and children and and some of what took place there. Today, this morning, we're going to see some discord and some dysfunction with Jacob's extended family, namely his father-in-law. And in America, we often make mother-in-law jokes. Jacob probably would have made father-in-law jokes. It was Jacob's father-in-law who was the thorn in his side, not his mother-in-law. Why is it that we make mother-in-law jokes anyways? It's not very nice, is it? Mother-in-laws get a bad rap, don't they? How many of you agree that mother-in-laws get a bad rap? Interestingly, it's almost all mother-in-laws with their hands up there. And uh, I, for one, I would never make a mother-in-law joke, unless you really wanted me to this morning. You want me to give you a mother-in-law joke this morning? All right, I didn't want to do this. You forced me. This was on you, all right? I heard about a husband and a wife. They got in a fight. And uh, the wife called the mom and said, Mom, we're fighting again. I'm coming to stay at your house tonight. And the wife, the mom replied, No, honey, he needs to pay for his mistakes. I'm coming to stay with you tonight. (laughs) That wasn't really funny. I shouldn't have told that joke this morning. I don't want to tell anymore, unless you want me to. (laughs) You want another mother-in-law joke? All right, you twisted my arm. A man was talking to his friend, and he said, he told his friend, he said, my mother-in-law's an angel. The friend replied, you're lucky, mine's still alive. <laughs> you, you, I didn't want to tell it. It was uncalled for. It wasn't funny at all. We have time for one more, though, don't we? We have time for one more? I bought my mother-in-law a chair for her birthday. My wife won't let me plug it in. And uh, I didn't want to tell it. You guys told me to tell it. No, I, I don't know what I would do without my mother-in-law. But it's nice to dream about sometimes. And uh, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I've got to stop. All right. All right. I really do have a good time when I get together with my mother-in-law. We have a lot of fun. And that's not a joke. There's no punchline coming. All right. Anyways, Jacob had a bad father-in-law. Jacob, uh, there was a rough relationship. We're going to see it today with his father-in-law. 
And, uh, and, 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 and he, he had worked where we were last week. He had worked for him for 14 years, where we're going to pick up our text in Genesis. You have your Bibles, Genesis chapter number 30. He had worked for him for 14 years in order to pay for his two wives. He was only supposed to work for him for seven, for the wife he wanted, Rachel. And his father-in-law tricked him and gave him, and again, I'm not trying to be unkind, but gave him the less attractive, less desirable sister, tricked him, and now he's got the wife he didn't want, and he still wants the other wife. And his father-in-law says, work for me for seven more years. And, uh, and so that's where we find ourselves. And in those 14 years, Jacob has built what, in, in what we would call really today in today's wages, he's built a multi-million dollar business, if you will, for his father-in-law. He's built a thriving corporation. His father-in-law is now uh, rich because of Jacob. And we're here in Genesis chapter number 30, and I'm going to bring a message this morning that I've titled, Family Business Can Be Messy Business. Family business can be messy business. Our passage today that we're going to look at, the story covers a little more than 70 verses. Some of you just got really scared right there. We're not going to read them all, all right? For the sake of time, not to read through all 70 plus of them, I'm going to pick up a few of the highlight verses, and I'm going to give us a sense of what's happening in this story, and then we're going to look at some things that I think can help us in our relationships today and in our families today. And so I want you to follow along. We're going to pick it up where we finished last week. Last week, we finished with Joseph being born as the last, the 11th son. Another one, Benjamin's going to come in chapter 35. But we finished with Rachel and Leah and their two handmaids um, uh, uh, bringing 11 sons and one daughter to Jacob. That's where we were last Sunday morning. Let's pick it up in the verse where we finished last week, verse 25. The Bible says, and it came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said unto Laban, Jacob is, again, I don't have time for all the context in the background, but just so we know who we're talking about here, Abraham is the father of Israel. God promised he was going to make a great nation of him, and through that nation he was going to send the Messiah, the Savior to earth. Jesus Christ would come through the Jewish people. At this time there were no Jewish people. Abraham is going to be the father of that nation that today we hear about Israel. That's the same people. Abraham then had a miraculous son, Isaac. Jacob is Abraham's grandson. Jacob's name, and I think next week actually, his name is going to change to Israel. We're going to study that together. And his name's going to change, and that's where today we get the nation of Israel. So when we're looking at Jacob's journeys, we're literally looking at the guy that Israel was named for. And, and so Israel, Jacob has been working for 14 years away from his family, not in his own homeland. He's been working uh, for his wives. And he's been there. And so, that's who we're talking about. That's Jacob. Laban is the father-in-law. Jacob has wives Rachel and Leah. Laban is their dad. So Jacob said unto Laban, verse 25, send me away that I may go unto mine own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee, and let me go, for thou knowest my service which I have done thee. They dealt with things differently in that culture, and even to this day there would be dowries and different things. In some countries you'll have arranged marriages, things of that nature. So even though Jacob is a grown man, he's, he's in his 40s, he has 11 children, he has two wives, there is still a respect for the father and saying, hey, I want your blessing. It's time for me to leave. It's time for me to go. I've worked here long enough. It's time for me to go start my own life. 
I built this business for you. I, I, I've been here. I've done everything you've asked. I've gone above and beyond. Even though you didn't, you didn't hold up your end of the bargain all the time, I still did what I was supposed to. It's time for me now to go. You have to remember, God had promised Jacob that he was going to make of him a great nation. He was going to bless him financially. He was going to make great prosperity, and he was going to give him a whole lot of land. Right now, where we find ourselves in our text, Jacob has no land, Jacob has no business, Jacob has really no income for himself, he's got no investments, no savings, he's got no portfolio, he has, he has no, he doesn't have any of the things that God promised him. And so Jacob says, Laban, it's time for me to go, and let me go, I've done what you asked me to do, and, uh, and, and that can be hard, can it, when it's time to let your children go? When it's time for them to go make a life with, for themselves, I don't know about you, I haven't been there completely, but I'm, Tiffany and I are walking through some different seasons of learning on little ways of letting our kids go and letting them grow up and letting them make these decisions. We have a 21-year-old and a 19-year-old and a 17-year-old and, and figuring those things out. And some of you are further down that road than I am, but I can imagine when it's really time where they're gone uh, and they're, they're going to go make a life for themselves, that can be a hard thing to really let them go. And so that's what Jacob asks. Look at Laban's response in chapter 30, verse 27. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, I ask you, I'm begging you, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry. Basically, don't stay. He's like me when Ashlyn was in seven, seven or eight years old, third or fourth grade. I made a deal with her. I said, I pro if you make a promise that you'll never get married, I'll take you to Disneyland whenever you want. <laughs> and when she was seven or eight, that sounded like a great deal. Now she's like, I don't care about Disneyland. I want to go. And, and he's like, don't leave, basically, as, as dads, don't we feel that way sometimes? Like, don't leave, don't leave. And, or, or sometimes we're like, leave, get out of the house, please. I'm not sure. There are different seasons to parenting at different times. Uh, depends on, on what's going on there. But he says, Terry, don't leave, Jacob, for I have learned, look what he says, I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Now, this is kind of a compliment, and it sounds like a compliment, but really it's a selfish statement. Don't go get your life started, because I've learned that you're really good for the bottom line. I've learned that my life is better when you're around. Kind of selfish. I've learned by experience that God has blessed me for your sake. When you're around, good stuff happens in my business. When you're around, good stuff happens in my life. When you're around, good stuff happens in my family. So don't leave. Jacob's saying, it's time for me to go, verse 38, 28. And he said, appoint me thy wages, and I will give it. Laban says, name your price, Jacob. What's it going to take? Have you ever been there? Maybe you went in to quit, and the boss was like, well, what about if we give you this? And what about if we add this? And what about, what would it take to keep you? That's what's happening here. Tell me your wages. Tell me what you want to make. And Jacob here, for the sake of time, I need to summarize. But Jacob says, okay, here's the deal. And Jacob really gives a very Laban-friendly deal. It's not a Jacob-friendly deal. Jacob says, here's what we'll do. I will, I've raised all these, all these flocks, all these herds of sheep and goats, and I've done all of this. Here's what I'll do. I will take only the black sheep. Why do we call them black sheep? Because they're, it's kind of the brown sheep or the black sheep are the ones that you don't really want. They're the less desirable. We, we use that in our terminology, the black sheep of the family. It's that one that it's kind of rare. It's kind of doesn't fit in. It's kind of not. He says, I'll take only the brown or black sheep, and then I'll take only the spotted or speckled goats. Now, these were the less desirable animals. So he's saying, number one, 
In those days, shepherds would contract for somewhere around 10 or 20% of the flock, plus they would get income off of the wool and, and, and cotton products and the different things that they would get, the milk products that they would get from the animals. He said, I'm not looking for any of that. Here's what it is. I'll do that. And here's what he says. And to start with, you take all of the current flocks, you take all of the current herds, give them to your sons, to my brother-in-law, Jacob says, and go three days journey, far enough that we don't have to worry about, you think I'm cooking the books, and I'm keeping some animals that I don't deserve. And all I'll take, I'll take a few, uh, a few white sheep and a few solid goats. Now remember, he had said, I'm going to raise another herd, and I'm only going to keep the brown or black sheep and the spotted or speckled goats. And then he takes with him only white sheep and only, um, only, only solid colored goats, mainly black goats. He takes with him. And so Laban, I think Laban's laughing all, all the way to the bank. <laughs> what an idiot. My son, I knew he was an idiot, but man, he just proved he was an idiot. And it, this is a very, this makes no sense for Jacob after all that he's done. And we see, if you read through it, we see that God decides, skip down to verse number 34, and Laban said, behold, I would, it might be according to thy word. Basically, he didn't even negotiate. He said, that's a great, that's a great deal. Yeah, let's do it. Where do I sign? How quickly can I get this deal in writing? And now we see, as you, you continue on, look at the last verse of chapter number 30, verse 43. Chapter 30, verse 43. And the man, that's Jacob, increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maidservants and men servants and camels and asses. It talks about that, that Laban has increased and now Jacob uh, has increased because of uh, his work there. And so what happens, and what we just read from verses 25 to 43, it's hard sometimes when you're reading the Bible to get this feeling, that was six years. So we just read 18 verses that cover six years. So at year 14, after working 14 years, he says, I want to leave. Father-in-law says, no, I don't want you to leave. What would it take to keep you? Jacob says, okay, I'll stick around a little longer so that I can kind of get my, my portfolio going, if you will, so I have something to leave with. And for six years, Jacob raises these. And the Bible says, I don't have the time to get into all of it, but the Bible says basically God blessed him beyond anybody's imagination. And he got a really strong, full flock. He did everything that he said he would do. And six years later now, he's been there working for his father-in-law for 20 years. He's ready to leave. Pick it up, if you will, in the first two verses of chapter 31. We're going somewhere. We're going to get where we're going. Chapter 31, verse number one. And he heard, this is Jacob, he heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, look at this, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's. And of that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. Doesn't it stink when family relationships and relationships with loved ones get strained for reasons beyond your control? Doesn't it stink? That's what happened here to Jacob. His brother-in-law say, Jacob's stolen everything from our dad. Actually, the exact opposite was true. Their dad had everything because of Jacob's hard work for two decades. But look at old Jacob, he's just stealing from our dad and all, all the blessings he has, they belong to our family. They should be in our inheritance. Our brother-in-law, he's a, he's a cheat. And again, the exact opposite was true. And then he says he noticed Laban didn't treat him the way he had treated him before. His countenance wasn't the same. You, 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 you know how it can be when you're with somebody and you're like, there's some tension there. I don't understand what just happened. 
What's going on? Why, why, why did she treat me that way? Why did he say that? Did I do something that I'm not aware of? And this is Jacob with his father-in-law. He said he beheld Laban's countenance. So Jacob realizes, I think it's time to go. Look at verse number three. And the Lord said unto Jacob, he realizes it is time to go because the Lord says unto Jacob, return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock. And said unto them, I see your father's countenance that it is not toward me as before, but the God, notice this, but the God of my father hath been with me. Your dad's not with me, but God still is. And ye know that with all my power I have served your father, and your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. Basically, he calls his wives out to the field, maybe because he didn't want any servants or anybody hearing their conversation in the house. He calls them to the field and says, hey, hey, babes, that sounds funny, hey, babes, um, honeys, I don't know what you call them when they're both there with you, I don't know how that works, I don't want to find out either. And... Uh, um, and, and he says, he says, hey, we, it, it's, the relationship's broken. God's told me to go. You know how I've worked. You know I've tried. You know I've tried on this relationship. It's time for us to go. We need to go. And verse, skip down to verse number 14, if you will. Verse number 14, the Bible says, chapter 31, verse number 14. And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Such sad verses. Does our dad care about us? Does, is he going to leave us anything? Are we not counted of him strangers? Heartbreaking. Our dad's lost the relationship with us. For he hath sold us and hath quite devoured also our money. For, for all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours and our children's. Now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. Verse number 17, then Jacob rose up and set his sons and his wives upon camels. By the way, may I stop here and say... This was very good. They could have gotten much worse in their marriage and in their family had they fought against their husband in favor of their dad. It was good that they, said, they saw this and said, you know what, we love our dad, but you're right. The relationship isn't what it used to be. Whatever you believe God has for us, we're going to follow you. Wherever it's, whatever you want to do, Jacob, we're going with you. And so they get up and they leave, and, and sadly— Sadly, um, what we see is that, that the relationship between Jacob and Laban had deteriorate, deteriorated so badly that Jacob didn't even think he could go say goodbye or his wives or, the, or children could go say goodbye to their dad and grandpa. Like a prisoner escaping jail, he thought they had to leave without anybody knowing. And by the way, I think his thoughts were confirmed based on Laban's reaction when he found out they were leaving. The relationship, they, they couldn't even say goodbye. They had to sneak out of town after 20 years of faithful service and relationship. And may I stop and say, you can see it here in the, in the daughter's voices. All our dad cares about is stuff. All our dad cares about is money. He doesn't care about us and our kids. May I just stop and say, parents, be careful. Sometimes we think being a good parent is providing a bunch of stuff to our kids. And the reality is, kids don't care about that stuff as much as most of us do. The reality is, kids would much more have a relationship. They'd much more have, they'd, they'd have time with you. 
They'd much more have that opportunity. Be careful about getting our priorities out and don't let stuff or selfish agendas get in the way of our relationship with our younger children and parents that have adult children. Don't let stuff and selfish agendas get in the way of your relationship with your adult children. It's not worth it. So it's time to go back to Canaan, the land that God had promised him. We showed this map in the first week of this series with Jacob. Jacob started down here, the bottom left, and he had gone up to Haran. That was where Laban was, and now he's going to be making his way back home. And so you can see that's, that's, if that is, you've probably seen this map um, either on social media or on the news or on, on, on news channels. That is Israel today. That's modern day Israel. By the way, I don't, this is not, this is not a news channel, but those that say that, that Israel are occupiers, they have the land grant from God. God promised them the land that they're in today. They were there. They have been there for thousands of years. Be careful on TikTok and Instagram getting your news from these places that tell you that Israel is occupiers. They are genocidal occupiers. Again, I hadn't planned to say this, but I just saw it because it's right there. For thousands of years, the people, the Jewish people have been living in that land and then have been brought out of that land in exile and brought back. And it's divine providence that God has allowed them to live and be in that region. All right, we'll have uh, Q&A afterwards. That's another message for another time. But anyways, they're, they're not genocidal occupiers. They are, they are the ones that God promised. That's what Canaan is, is the, the promised land of Israel that we call it today. So they're moving, going back. So Jacob, they, they get up on their camels, they go, they start going. And, and Laban finds out three days later, they've got a three-day head start. The family's gone. And again, think about this. They're scared their dad's going to find out they're going to fulfill God's plan for their lives. Parents, how dumb can we be to not rejoice as our children go to fulfill God's plan for their lives? And three days later, Laban finds out, hey, did you hear? Jacob's gone. What do you mean Jacob's gone? Like he went on vacation? No, he's gone. Like what? Like he left. He took all his herds. He left you all the stuff he said he would leave you. He only took what he said he would take. They, they loaded up on the camels. They loaded up on the donkeys. And they're gone. And Laban gets furious. He gathers his men together. And they start to pursue after Jacob. It takes them a week to pursue after Jacob to catch up. It takes them over a week to catch up to them. Notice verse number 25 when Laban catches up. By the way, the night before, God came to Laban in a dream and said, don't do anything bad. Be careful. Don't do anything stupid, Laban. Don't hurt your son and son-in-law and daughters. And but why did God have to come to him in a dream and say that? Because I believe that when Laban caught up, he was ready to wreak havoc. He was ready to take, steal his daughters back and take them back. Look at, look at the, 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 what happens when he catches up. Verse number 25. Then Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mount, and Laban with his brethren pitched in the mount of Gilead. You can see it there. Oh, go back to that map. You can see on that map there, the hill country of Gilead, that first spot on the bottom right, that's where they were. And Laban said to Jacob, what hast thou done that thou hast stolen away unawares to me and carried away my daughters as captives taken with the sword? Wherefore didst thou flee away secretly and steal away from me and didst not tell me that I might have, look at this, that I might have sent thee away with mirth and with songs, with tabret, and with harp, and hast not suffered me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Thou hast now done foolishly in so doing. It is in the power of my 
hand to do you hurt, but the God of your father spake unto me. Notice it's not his God. The God of your father spake unto me yesternight, saying, Take thou heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. And now, though thou wouldest needs be gone, because thou sore longest after thy father's house, yet wherefore hast thou stolen my goods? And Jacob answered and said to Laban, Because I was afraid. For I said, peradventure thou wouldest take by force thy daughters from me. Look at the dysfunction, the messiness in this family. By the way, you see in Laban, you see narcissism here. You see in Laban, he, they left under cover of darkness and without telling anybody because they knew he would lose his temper. And last time, six years ago, they came and said, can we leave? And he said, no, I, I need you to stay. What's it going to cost? So they knew, we just got to go. And what does he do when he comes? He makes them out to be the bad guy. What does he do? Why did you leave? I would have thrown you a big party, Jacob. We would have had a big party. I would have called the harpist in. We would have had mirth. We would have had food and drink. It would have been, I would have kissed my grandkids. I would have kissed my daughters. It would have been so great. The interesting thing is, you see all through it, really all Laban cares about is him. Because what does he say at the end? And why have you stolen my goods? That's really what the bottom line is. Who stole my stuff? Who has my stuff? And Jacob's like, what are you talking about? He said, somebody stole some of my idols that I worship. Somebody stole some of my images in my house. Who has them? He said, we didn't steal any of your stuff. And here's what Jacob says. He says, if you find, go search any tent. You, you search warrant. Do whatever you want. Search any, anybody's stuff. If whoever has your stuff, Laban, you can kill them. Jacob doesn't know it's his beloved wife, Rachel, that had stolen her dad's stuff. Is it an interesting parents when all we care about is stuff? Sometimes we pass that idea down to our kids too. I don't know all the motivations. There are different people have different opinions of why Rachel took these things, um, why she took this stuff. So, so Laban starts going tent by tent, tent by tent, tent by tent, looking for her stuff. Rachel, the, the, the images were inside of the camel bags in Rachel's tent. And she comes in and Rachel's sitting on top of the bags and, and she should have gotten up out of reverence to her dad. And she said, hey, dad, forgive me. I'm just a little sick. I'm not feeling well right now. Forgive me for not being able to get up right now. So he goes and he can't find any of the stuff. And Jacob doesn't know it. Laban doesn't find the stuff. So Jacob gets angry. Look at chapter 31, verse number 36. Verse number 36. And Jacob was wroth and chode with Laban. And Jacob answered and said unto Laban, what is my trespass? What have I done? What is my sin that thou hast so hotly pursued after me? Whereas thou searched all my stuff, what hast thou found? Set it here before thy brethren and thy brethren, that they may judge with choices both. Who's the dishonest one here, Laban? These 20 years have I been with thee, he says. Thy ewes and thy she-goats have not cast their young, and the rams of thy flock have I not eaten. That which was torn of beasts I brought not unto thee. I bear the, the loss of it. Of my hand didst thou require it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Basically, he says, in today's business world, it might be, hey, we lost that, we lost that commission and we lost that customer, and I just ate it out of my own paycheck. I, when, when an animal killed an, one of our flocks, I didn't report that loss to you. I just took care of it and got the flock back to where it was supposed to be. He says in verse 40, thus I was in the day the drought consumed me and the frost by night, my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus have I been, you can hear it in Jacob's heart, thus have I been 20 years in thy house. I served thee 14 years for thy two daughters, six years for thy cattle, and thou hast changed my wages 10 times. You're a completely unpredictable person based on your whims and emotions. 
except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me. Surely thou hadst sent me away now empty. Right, right now you would have taken all my stuff and taken my, your daughters back with you. But God hath seen mine affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. We see here, uh, uh, we see one final angry conf- confrontation in the rest of the chapter. What happens here is basically Laban knows he can't do anything to Jacob. He didn't find his stuff. He's kind of now embarrassed, like I I falsely accused him. God's told him the night before, don't do anything to them. They've had this angry confrontation. Jacob, probably in front of most of the people, has pointed out what an emotional, narcissistic, fear-inducing, angry leader he's been. And how Jacob says, you know for 20 years I did nothing but serve you from a good heart. Now what? And so Laban basically says, okay, Let's call a truce. Let's build a stack of stones here. Let's build a marker here. And this marker, here's what I want. I want you to make a promise. You're not gonna, you're gonna take good care of my daughters, which by the way, he had no reason to think he wouldn't. He's already done that for 20 years. And I want you to promise you're not gonna marry any other ladies. No reason to think he would have. And he says, and I'm gonna set this here and my, me and my people won't come past this border to hurt you. And you and your people don't come past this border to hurt me. And so they come and they make that truce. And let's read the last few verses and I'll wrap it all up with some thoughts. Verse number 52, this heap, this stack of stones, be witness. And this pillar, be witness that I will not pass over this heap to thee. Thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me for harm. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge betwixt us and Jacob swear by the fear of his father Isaac. Then Jacob offered sacrifice upon the mount and called his brethren to eat bread. And they did eat bread and tarried all night in the mount. And early in the morning, Laban rose up and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. And Laban departed and returned unto his place. That's the summarized version of Jacob's departure from Laban to go back to Israel, back to Canaan, or back into Canaan. I'd encourage you to go back this week from chapter 30, verse 25, and to read those verses we read and all of chapter 31 to see some of the details. But this morning, I want you to see what Jacob experienced in his extended family and then how he responded. And I won't need to be long from here, but I do think it'll be an encouragement to you. What did Jacob experience? Family business can be messy business. What did Jacob experience in his extended family? I see uh, one of the things he experienced was selfishness. His father-in-law cared more about him than he did Jacob and his, his uh, daughters and his grandchildren. Jacob experienced loved ones who loved themselves more than they loved him. Loved ones who didn't want to give him freedom to build his own life. Not only that, he experienced covetousness. What could Jacob do for us not loving him for who he was? Have you experienced some people that love you for what you can do for them and how you make their life better, not for who you are? What did Jacob experience in his extended family? He experienced jealousy. He had brother-in-laws who lied about him, who mistreated him, who spoke badly about him to his father-in-law. He experienced jealousy within his extended family. What else did he experience? He experienced control. He experienced a father-in-law that was manipulative, if they had the term in those days, narcissistic changing what it took to be in good standing in the relationship. Seven years for Rachel, oh, I lied. Seven more years for for Rachel, oh, 14 years, why don't you stick around longer? Six more years, constantly changing the, and to try to control Jacob. He experienced fear. 
never knowing, how is this relationship going to go? How is he going to treat me today? He changes wages 10 times, Jacob said. He said, why I couldn't come say goodbye to you? I was scared you were going to steal. This is who he thought of Laban. You were going to steal my wives, my, my, your daughters, my wives from me, keep them in your house, and kick me out with nothing, homeless, destitute. That was who he thought Laban was, and that's who Laban had led him to believe that he was. He experienced dishonesty, the inability for them to be honest with each other. By the way, if you can't be honest in a relationship, it's not a very healthy relationship. He couldn't be honest. He couldn't go tell his father-in-law, it should have been a great day. It should have been what Laban said it was going to be, which it wouldn't have been because of who Laban was. It should have been a big party. Everybody get together, Jacob and Rachel and Leah and Bilhah and Zilpha and all the kids and Dinah and Joseph and Naphtali, all of them, Reuben, bring it. We're all going to have a huge party for a few days. They're going to be moving south a few hours, and they're going to go get their lives started, and they're going to follow God's word, and they're going to do what God's called them to do and we're so excited. And what should have been a wonderful rejoicing of the entire family because Jacob and Leah and Rachel were following God's plan for their lives was them leaving under the cover of darkness without being able to say goodbye to anyone. Why? Because family business sometimes can be messy business. All of these, this list, it describes Laban and Laban's children, his son's actions toward Jacob. And I just want to stop right here as my wife and I are entering into this season of parenting adults. We're learning and we're growing. We were, uh, when we were in Greece a couple of weeks ago, there were a couple of pastors, friends of ours that, that we admire greatly, two or three different ones that are 10 or 20 years ahead of us. And one of the things we asked as we sat down, now you're 10 years down the road, what would you tell us? Help us. What have you learned? Teach us. What do we need to do? And he Simple practical things about how they've handled with their kids getting married and holidays and things like that. Why? Because Tiffany, I understand that we could become this. Why is it, and I know I was joking about mother-in-laws, but why is it that we have jokes about extended family and about mother-in-laws? Because sometimes we parents of adult children can sometimes be that. By the way, children can sometimes mistreat parents too. I understand that. But we can sometimes be this. We can be controlling. We can be manipulative. We can be selfish. We can be dishonest. Parents, we're going to have to make a choice that we're not going to treat our children when they're younger this way, but especially our adult children this way. It doesn't have to look like this. Extended generational families can be full of love and laughter and joy and harmony and rejoicing, but it takes maturity. It takes unselfishness. It takes an unwillingness to be offended. You have to choose not to be offended because guess what? Your kids are going to do some things differently than you did it. They're going to do some things. They're going to marry some, somebody that has some different perspectives than you have. And you have to choose not to live offended, not to be constantly on edge and sensitive and moody and what's going to happen here. That's what Laban was to Jacob. It takes the willingness to give our kids the freedom to establish their own lives. We have to make the choice that this is not going to be us. And if this has been us somewhere, we have got to acknowledge it, apologize for it, and work to do better. So if one or more of these resonates with you in your extended family relationships, either you've experienced this toward you, or if we're honest, we've done this toward someone in our family, one or more of these things. I want you to see how Jacob responded, and we're done. How did Jacob, how do we respond like Jacob? Number one. Number one, 
So how do you respond when family business gets messy? Stay close to God. Look at chapter 31, verse number three. What does it say? After his brother-in-law's turn on him, his his father-in-law turns on him. What does it say in verse 31? And the Lord said unto Jacob. Jacob was close enough to God to hear from him. He was still listening to God. He was still following God's word. He was still letting God's word guide him even when his loved ones had hurt him. Stay close to God. Stay in his word. Number two, rest in his promises. Why was Jacob leaving? Because God had promised, he had promised him great prosperity and great portions of land. And at this point, he has no money, no business, no land, no house. But Jacob trusted God's, I want you to hear this, he trusted God's promises even when his current circumstances didn't seem to line up with those promises. Can I say that again? Jacob trusted God's promises even when his current circumstances didn't seem to line up with those promises. Are you in a place today that it doesn't seem like your current circumstances are lining up with God's promises? Keep resting in his promises. Jacob had no land. He had no business. He had no prosperity. He had nothing, but he rested. He trusted God's promises. When your heart has been broken by loved ones, I want to challenge you to focus on God's promises, not man's failures. Would you say that aloud with me? Ready? Begin. Focus on God's promises, not man's When you've been hurt by a loved one, focus on God's promises, not man's failures. Number three. Number three, how did Jacob respond? How do we respond like Jacob when family business gets a little messy? Number three, remember that you've hurt others. We talked a lot about Laban hurting Jacob, didn't we? Who else caused discord and division and was selfish and covetous and dishonest with his dad and brother? Who else did that? Anybody remember? A guy named Jacob. Remember he lied to his dad so he could get stuff that didn't belong to him? Remember he took advantage of his brother? Remember, he cared more about himself than he did his brother. You know what we see? We see a couple of things, and I've got to hasten, but it's beautiful. We see that obviously Jacob must have grown because we don't see those same reactions to Laban that we see with Jacob and his dad and Esau 20 years ago. By the way, in our families, people can grow. Give them a chance, give them some space. Give him some grace. We're going to see Jacob and Esau reuniting here in a chapter or so. Stick around. But people can grow. And what do we see? I believe one reason Jacob kept a right heart and a right spirit and did what was right, even when he had been hurt by by Laban, I believe one of those reasons, because we'll see it in the next chapter when he sees Esau, I believe one of those reasons was he remembered he at one time had been Laban. He remembered, I I remember mistreating my dad. I remember mistreating my twin brother Esau. I remember that. And you know the people that have the most grace for those that hurt them? The ones who remember they've received grace when they've hurt others. You know who forgives those that hurt them the most? 
the ones who realize how much they've been forgiven. When you realize how much you've been forgiven, it's a whole lot easier to hurt that one, to forgive that one that's hurt you. When you realize how much grace you've been given, it's a whole lot easier to give grace when somebody does something wrong to you. So I don't know what your family mess looks like. I don't know what, what, what that family member that hurt you, and I'm not happy about it, I'm not gleeful about it, but what I am saying is one of the ways that you can respond, stay close to God, rest in his promises, and remember, you've hurt some people too, and some people still love you, and they've forgiven you, and God has forgiven you, and he's shown you grace. Maybe it's your turn to show the grace and the love and the forgiveness and the long-suffering of God to those that have hurt you. When you're hurt by, by those closest to you, remember that at times you've hurt others too. Give people some time and grace to go. We see a different Jacob here than we saw 20 years Years ago, number four, keep doing right. Jacob was honest, Laban lied. Jacob worked hard, Laban changed his wages. Jacob kept his word on what payment he would take. He didn't cook the books in his favor when he started his new business with Laban's little starter flock. He worked as a man of integrity for 20 years, even when his boss, his father-in-law, had shown a great lack of integrity. And what did he say? God has seen my affliction. Can I just stop and say here, sometimes we justify our bad behavior because of someone else's bad behavior to us. Can I stop and say say here, if you've been hurt, I'm sorry, but God sees, God's keeping track, and God will bless you for responding correctly in that season of hurt. Don't justify your bad behavior because of someone else's bad behavior to you. He says here, God has seen my affliction, so I'm going to keep doing right. Laban, you changed my wages. I'm going to be a man of integrity. Laban, you were, un you were not right to me. I'm going to take care of this daughter that I didn't want to marry. Laban, you didn't do these. I'm going to do right even when my loved ones don't do right toward me. That's a really hard one. Number five, guard against bitterness. Jacob was honest about the situation, and, even, and at least one time he got angry here in it, in, in, in confronting Laban. But nowhere, anywhere in Jacob's life do we see him allowing bitterness to rise up in his heart. My father-in-law would often say this statement, bitterness always destroys its own container. Somebody else has said, bitterness is like drinking a poison and expecting the other person to die. There's no room for bitterness in the heart of, of the child of God. Forgiveness, I saw some, a friend, pastor friend of mine uh, make a statement yesterday, forgiveness is an event and a process. There's a, there's a point in our lives where we have to come and say, I'm not holding them guilty anymore. God, I'm releasing that. And then it's a process of God. You have to help in me and my heart treat that person like I've forgiven them. Treat them the way that I've decided to do that. In your life and in mine, nowhere, nowhere do we see Jacob getting even. Nowhere do we see Jacob undermining Laban. Nowhere do we see him retaliating against his brother-in-laws. Nowhere do we see bitterness. You know what we see in this passage? We see almost completely integrity, hard work, reasonable uh, communication, rational thought. What do we see here? A man who did not allow the family hurts to define his life. And then lastly... How do we respond like Jacob? What did Jacob do? Sometimes you have to set healthy boundaries for your family. Jacob realized the time had come that there had to be some healthy boundaries if his family was gonna thrive in God's plan for them. 
what did they do? They set, they set a pillar up. I'm not coming over here to hurt you. You don't come over here to hurt me. That's going to remind all of us. We're going to live in peace. But it took a boundary. And by the way, the boundary was not a spur of the moment thing. Well, you made me so mad. I'm never talking to you again. If you do that, I'm not going to let my grandkids ever see you again. You'll never see your grandkids again. That's not, that's not a healthy boundary. That's an angry boundary. That's an emotional boundary. That's blowing a hole in a relationship that you're going to probably come to regret a, a month or a year or a decade later. It, it was not a spur of the moment thing for Jacob, this thing of setting healthy boundaries, getting some separation from his father-in-law. He didn't move for six years after the first time he expressed his desire to move. It was not an emotional breaking of the relationship. It was a reasoned, considered decision to put an appropriate boundary between his immediate family and his extended family for the health of, it, of both, really. And in some instances, depending on the toxicity of the relationship, you may have to consider something similar. If you think that's your case, I would seek godly wisdom and not let your emotions drive you. Well, she said something, her, remember all the other things I said first. Don't get bitter, do right, rest in God's promises, stay close to God. Remember all of those, don't just jump to, pastor said, I don't ever have to talk to that person again. That's not what I said. But there may be times in certain situations for the health of your family, there have to be some healthy boundaries of some sort set up. That's what happened here. Never out of spite or revenge, never to hurt them because they've hurt you, but you may have to do some things for the sake of your family's health and, and plan in God's will. Some of you, you've been hurt by a parent, a child, a brother, a sister, someone else very close to you. I want you to look at that list. And I wanna challenge you this morning, when family business gets messy, I want to challenge you to live like Jacob, respond like Jacob responded. To do the things Jacob did when he was mistreated by his family. Some of you have been mistreated by someone who should have treated you better than anybody else did. Learn from Jacob. So do you have some craziness in your family? Probably. You're not the first one. And you won't be the last one. All of our families have a little crazy. Some of us have a lot of crazy. Here's the thing. In the midst of your crazy family, you have to decide, am I going to be Laban or am I going to be Jacob? Am I going to act with control and dishonesty and selfishness and jealousy and always maneuvering to get my way and what's best for me? Or am I going to respond like Jacob even when I'm mistreated? I want you to remember this and we're done. I want you to remember this regarding your relationships with your loved ones. It's something Jacob clearly understood. I want you to take this with you this week. You can't control your actions. You can only control, I'm sorry, you can't control their actions. You can only control your actions and reactions. So often I counsel with people and they tell me all of the things someone else is doing and then ask me, how do we fix it? And I say, they're not here. I can't fix it because you can't control what they do or how they respond to what they do, what you do. All you can control is how you act and react. That's the only thing you have control over. You can, would you say that out loud with me this morning? Ready? Begin. You can't control their actions. You can only control your actions and reactions. So decide, how am I going to react this week? When that relative sends that text, that passive-aggressive text, or posts that subtweet, or talks behind my back to that person, 
How am I going to react this week, and how am I going to act this week? Will my actions bring honor and glory to God? What does the Bible say? A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. Don't give, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. Most of us don't have enough to give away. We need all of it that we can get. And there's a time, Jacob did confront him at one point here in this, but it was a long time before he confronted him about all of this. It was years he waited. Be careful. This week, how are you going to respond? When craziness comes into the family, will you be a Laban or a Jacob, a Saul or a David? Family business can be messy business, but it can be beautiful business. It can be glorious. It can be wonderful. It can be some of the greatest joys and and wonderful intergenerational relationships. By the way, not only can it be, it should be. With God's help, we can respond in a Christ-like way, and God can continue to guide and direct and use our families, and there can be joys for generations within our families, but we need to respond like, by the way, Jacob ended up with generational joys in his family. Laban, that we know of, really never got to be a part of that. Why? because he didn't handle it correctly. And all of us have been there or we have the opportunity to be there. So this week, let's learn from Jacob and Laban. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.